0: I'll be too nervous to. I'm probably be lost for words. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lost for Words DFS podcast. There I go again, changing it from DraftKings to DFS, DFS to DraftKings, whatever way you want to do it. But Matt Vincenzi is the constant. Uh, of this show, as am I, um, that never changes. So, Matt, hello again. Hey, yeah, for better or worse, here we are. Exactly that. I mean, I've, you say for better or for worse. I think we've been in a decent run recently, but I basically stunk the world out with my picks last week, um, which was tough. It was a tough scene. I didn't. I was really good on the Euro uh, tour, which if people listened to uh, the, the Pat Mario show that I do, that would have been uh, a lot better. But, um, you know, it's yeah i don't know it was a tough week last week like a lot a lot of things it was weird he looks at the leaderboard and it's pretty i guess simple to predict um but like, i just didn't get there with a lot of the guys that kind of finished well
1: yeah same i had i had a pretty better week with the exception of davis so i think i mean really could have won the event if he didn't do so much dumb things making mistake after mistake and he had 21 birdies or better but he just couldn't keep the bogeys and double off the card and you know, he'd make three birdies in a row, then hit it in the water, and he was just kind of infuriating. So he was really my only chance all week, and he, uh, you know, kept doing what he did. So that's pretty much all I had. Yeah, I mean, we kind of circled Doug Gim and
0: Emiliano Grillo, who, you know, Grillo obviously played well to finish second. Doug Gim kind of fell apart in true Doug Gim style. Um, but I think they were decently enough in the in the 7K range, and um, you know, there were some some other picks elsewhere. But you know, you look at Fee now, and he in the end won by a landslide. He shouldn't have done. Um, and there were some guys up there, Cameron Davis has been playing well, he was there, like you say, he had a, had a chance to win. But other than that, like, there was just some surprise names up there, like Danny Willett played well and hasn't really shown that. Um, Grayson Sig's been playing well, but not necessarily someone that had circle for the 3 3M Open. So there's just some some kind of different names up there that, although looking back, it makes sense given the form they're in, we just, we just weren't there for us.
1: Right. I mean, if, if you didn't have Finau and Sungjae, you really weren't doing all that well. And I kind of wanted to avoid them because Sungjae wasn't playing well, and Finau seemed to be really popular, which ended up being being fine. But uh, Sungjae was kind of out of nowhere, and he had a little Sunday charge too. So yeah, you didn't get on those guys, you didn't win. That's it. Yeah. I
0: mean, the Sungjae thing was you can always kind of see happen with a guy of his talent, right? Like just out of the blue, you can play well, and you know sometimes you just have to take him. Finau was a little bit more obvious, I think, but just wasn't for me uh, with all to travel and certainly wasn't for you either so um, with that said I think we should go into the Rocket Mortgage Classic I think the 3M Open is definitely a more exciting course in terms of um, you know action but in terms of actually DFS and betting I've quite enjoyed covering this Rocket Mortgage I sort of said to you uh, yesterday that I was looking forward to the show I think there's some decent players that we can talk about um, I think it's it's a a good place, I think, to take on the favourites. Although we thought that last week didn't quite plan out that way, but I think there's so much more putting variance in this event as there is to sort of the 3M, where the, you know long irons and, and things like that are the order of the day. Do you think it opens
1: up for some long shots? I do, I do think that, but I also think that's been a little bit overplayed, just because you know this just any skill set can win here, which is true. But you know last year I remember taking Neiman because he hits it. A long way, and he's going to have a very short way, and uh, you know, flip wedge into most of these screens, Which I do think distance is a, you know, any any event where people have said distance is the is the key. There's always going to be some short hitters on the on the leaderboard, always. <laughs> but it doesn't mean that distance is, isn't the key. And I, I do think bombers is, is the way to go here. So I think it's you know the any anyone can win thing has been a bit overplayed. I, anyone certainly can win, right? You gain 10 strokes putting, you have a good chance. But I still think bombers is the is the way to go. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at, generally speaking,
0: like, Bryson winning and Cam Davis winning is, you know, the key to what you need to see, really, isn't it? Like, that is the more reliable uh, format, that's the more reliable way of winning. It's just, I guess it's just the guys, I mean, you look down the list of people that have played well here, and it's like Ryan Armour, Brian Stewart, Adam Hadwin's played well here in the past, Kevin Kisner's got two top eight finishes... Uh, you know, Troy Merritt certainly not a bomber. I wouldn't say Doc Redman. Like you know, there's guys that do just perform well despite a lack of distance. It's just like you say, you've got to rely on a hot putter with these guys. Whereas with the with the big hitting guys, you know, there's a bit more to it, than that, I guess.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I think so. And then you look at some other factors too, like uh, Kisner's there, but he, you know, he seems to be a, a Donald Ross specialist, so that has something to do with it as well.
0: Yeah. How much do you? How much stock do you put into something like that? I mean, generally speaking, I think you're someone that doesn't get too wrapped up in it i think if anything i probably bring that more uh into my selections as opposed to you but do you think that's something that you factor in like do you factor into wyndham and also i think the sanson farm seems to cross over and i think when you look at it he's a descendant of donald Ross as well so those kind of make sense
1: yeah i i do think so i um not a huge amount but i think it's one piece of the puzzle like if so it's hard to say this guy's going to gain a, gain a million strokes putting this week. So if he's not a bomber, what other thing does he bring to the table that you think is going to be effective this week? Is it Does he play those other courses well? Um, is he great from you know 125 to 150? Whatever you can latch on to, I still think there's other angles you can attack um, other than just, well, he's a good putter and he might putt well this week. Would you
0: also say that like because it's a relatively easy course straight in front of you, not really so much to kind of figure out, do you think it's just it's just going to favor those guys that have had some hot weeks. I mean, there's some people coming in here with some really good form. You know, I'm thinking about people later on in the show with Danny McCarthy and Scott Stallings and people like that. Like if you're just in good form, Mark Hubbard, another one, can you just come and score here? Because it's just that type of course that allows that.
1: I, yeah, I think so. Um, I'm curious to see what the score is this week, right? Cause we had 25 under, we had 23 under and last year it was 18. The third round got pretty windy here. Um, last year i remember that playing a bit tough so it kind of kept the scores down um but i also remember thinking that there's a there was a chance that you know in the in the future this event might not play as easy as people think it's going to um and i don't know exactly what factors might make that come to fruition but i it wouldn't shock me if it stayed around 18 to 20 under and it doesn't get out of control
0: yeah i think when it's it's very clearly gone 25 23 18 like they're, they're clearly making a conscious effort to reduce the scoring um when you look at the fact that you know yes 23 won it with Bryson but he was three clear of Matthew Wolf, and 25 won it with Lashley and he was six clear of Redmond like generally speaking second place is in and around 20 or under and you know last year there was a lot of 18 17 16 15s but you know no one got to the 20 under or maybe they I can't remember they did and then just dropped back but you know that probably with someone like Cam Davis or you know Merritt they probably did but you know, it it does feel like it's taking, a you know, they've taken what they've seen over the last two years and tried to make it three years and tried to make it harder. And if that comes to fruition, then maybe even 15, 16 under could be good enough.
1: Yeah, I, I think so. And and no one fell back because, um, and I'll, I remember this vividly because it really bit me in the ass when I had Merritt and Neiman in the playoff and didn't have Davis. But Neiman didn't make a bogey until the first playoff hole in the entire week. So he, he was already at 18. Um, and then I think Cam Davis going on the 17th tee was like 100-1 to 1 to win. And I had Neiman and Merritt who were both like minus 125 and plus 125. And then Cam holds out, and then, you know, it happens from there. But um, so I, I think it's a place where, you know, there's not much trouble. Like Neiman went the whole way without going without making a bogey. But I don't know if that necessarily means that, you know, birdies are going to be flying everywhere. I think it's um, just... You know, almost similar to last week with less kind of landmines all over the place. Um, but distance also is going to be helpful, too, because the poor, the four par fives, you know, you got to be able a lot of the bigger hitters can get there in two. I know Bryson made some comments when he won about uh, a lot of the fairway bunkers being around two ninety. So if you can hit it, fly it over that, then you're that's another big advantage. Yeah, and I
0: think when you look at you talk about the scoring as well, and the fact that you, you think of 18-under and 20-under, and you think there's just a bunch of 64s, 65s going around, and yes, that does seem to happen in the first round, but you look at Cam Davis, 68, 68, 67, 67. Troy Merritt, 67, 68, 67, 68. Neiman opened 65, them at 69, 68, 68. Like, it's steady scoring, rather than it is, um, you know, just really low rounds. I know Bubba Watson and Alex Noren both shot 64s in the final round last year, and... There was an opportunity to do that. I think they probably both did that slightly before the wind picked up. But like, it just seems to be that like there is steady scoring as opposed to you know just having to fire that really low round. So I wouldn't necessarily be put off by someone you don't think can go an eagle and and birdie in bunches. I think it's just someone that you think can solidly score every day. Uh, maybe get a hot putter in terms of that putting. Like, and we'll, we'll go into selections in a little while. Like, I never look at putting in terms of like recent perform whatever because the green service has changed so often because it's such a volatile statistic I tend not to add that kind of noise to my um you know player profile but is that something you've kind of factored in at all like I've just been looking at some of the people that have been putting well recently and I've, I have used it as a kind of a um I would say a decision maker in the end like a, a breaker between two players as opposed to actually factoring it in but if it's a tiebreaker I don't think putting can come into it
1: yeah, I think long-term putting is more important than short-term putting. And um, you know, like you know, if someone gets a hot putter three tournaments in a row, I don't think that necessarily means they're going to the next week. Yeah. Um, but but I think you know you, you want, I think being a good good putter is a tiebreaker. And one thing that I always look look for and talk about is spike putting weeks. You want guys that are capable of of gaining a bunch of strokes with a putter. Like Matthew Wolf's a good example of that. Typically not a good putter, but he will have one week where he just randomly games eight. Cam Champ does that, and that's how he can win. Um, so guys who are capable of having that, that spike putting week, especially for betting, that's kind of what I'm looking for. Yeah, absolutely. Right, let's go into the selections. Then We've had a, a decent amount of preamble there
0: before going into it. We've actually only got four players uh, in the 10k range and above. So we've got Patrick Cantlay at 10.7, Tony Finau at 10.6, Uzzolotaurus at 10.4, Cam Young at 10.1. Um, I think if I was going to trust any of those... Uh, maybe not trust. If I was going to pick any of those four to bet, it would be Cameron Young. Um, maybe Cantlay's the most trustworthy at the moment, but in terms of DFS, who would be the one that you would play out those for?
1: For me, it's still going to be young. Yeah. I I think um, you know I've seen some betting love, I guess, on Zalatoris. But if for me the the way I see it with Zalatoris here is his best skill set is his long irons. So if you're if you're playing Riviera or Torrey Pines or Mirrorfield Village or somewhere like that where that can separate you from the pack, that's when I love to play Zalatoris. When it's a place where there's going to be a lot of shorter irons, wedges um i just feel like his best skill set is a bit mitigated doesn't mean he can't win or doesn't mean he you know he can't he can't play well but it's not the exact type of event that i'm looking uh looking to play him and so for young me i like him because one he's very reliable off the tee first off the tee in his past 24 rounds he's first and birdies are better in his past 24 rounds um he you know he he pumps it and he can he can get that hot putter. we saw it on sunday at the open I'm, am I worried about his, about his ownership a little bit uh, and his popularity? But for me, he's the highest upside. I just I just like him in this range.
0: Yeah, and he matches Will Zalatoris' the top tens on the season. Anyway, like you know, I know Zalatoris gets a lot of the love, and Cam Young is it's kind of sweetening in his favor now. He's had those couple of top threes in in the major championships. But like for me, like I think we kind of sit it on the bridge I definitely sit it on the push Open. Like. Zalatoris can spike with the putter in majors, but it's it seems to be that he gains strokes when par means something for putting. Like when it comes to actually birdie fest, I'm I'm pretty sure he's going to struggle um, in terms of making enough putts. And that kind of play to fruition in the British Open um, didn't necessarily you know mean that he couldn't contend. Like he still finished twenty eighth, but it. That is a difference, I think, between him winning and, uh, you know, contending. I think, like you say, he just needs those tough courses where long irons and, and par-putting stands out. Whereas when it comes to this, I would much prefer the kind of, not the bomb and gouge approach, but the the straightforward approach of Cameron Young.
1: And with Zalatorre, like, look at what he's done in events that aren't, you know, prestigious, right? Yet he, he was good at the US Open, good at Memorial, good at the PGA. But missed the cut at Charles Schwab, missed the cut at the Byron Nelson. um, Let's see what else. Um, missed the cut at but Like, he hasn't really, he's not the type of player I think is going to show up in a event that has a weaker field and go out and dominate. It, it just seems like, you know, I'd rather bet him at 33 or play him when he's you know, at 8,800 in one of the strongest events of the year. I just think that's what you do with Zell, Taurus.
0: Yeah, and I think probably the only one that was maybe slightly opposite to that line of thinking is when he finished sick for the Amex, but he shot a 61 in the second round, and then there was 71, 17, and 67 on courses that, generally speaking, yield Yo know, scores. So he had kind of one standout round, and I think any one of these guys at the top here can, can post a 61 on their best day. So, um yeah, I think for me, and, and you there as well, Cameron Young is the pick of the bunch. I think he's the guy that... It means the most to it at the moment. I think he's a guy that kind of stands out as as the obvious candidate. And whilst I think Patrick Cantley is kind of in a different level of form again, um, with, you know, three top eights and five top fourteens in his last five starts, like I just don't see it on this golf course for whatever reason. Um so definitely for me Cameron Young.
1: If Cantley was gonna go over luck this week, I would have thought about playing him, but it doesn't seem like that's gonna be the case. It seems like people are playing him. Um, I mean, you imagine, just look at his recent results and that's kind of what you get. He, he is capable of winning in these type of weaker field events and, you know, putting contests There's very few guys you'd, you know, who get hot with a putter that you'd want more than him. So I completely get all that. But the fact that he's going to be popular, the fact that, you know, the favorite, I don't necessarily think is going to win this thing. I, I would rather just go to, to young and then with Finau coming off a win, um, you know, he's also a good course fit for this one, but coming off the win last week, I'm not really in, too interested in him either. Yeah, we kind of saw what happened when he got that last win. We expected
0: him to kick on and, and kind of struggled, And I don't necessarily think that's going to happen every time, right? I don't think, you know, historical, um, you know, form suggests that's always going to happen. But even, like, in his one start, he finished 53rd. I know he's uh, 19th, after 54 holes, but back to your point about they, like he's the best in this field in terms of putting over the last couple of months. But when you look at his, like, ball striking numbers, they're they're okay like in recent weeks but they're not standout um they're probably out in relation to this field but they're not standout uh, in relation to what the events he's been playing so i would i wouldn't go away from patrick can like i'd put him in if, if you want to put him in but i'd probably avoid fee now i'd avoid his editoris and, and probably pick young can that would be my
1: summary i agree i agree completely
0: 9k range then um it's a short one again, short, short 9k range again. We've got Max Homer at 9 9, Cameron Davis at 9 7, Adam Scott at 9 3, Keegan Bradley 9 2, Kevin Kisner 9 1. Um I don't see this as a Max Homer type. I think this is another thing a little bit like Zalasaurus. Seems to play those tougher events um, you know, better. And he's actually what projected to be the highest owned guy uh in the field right now. Is that just because people are just trying to get away from the tens completely and just putting the next guy in?
1: I think it could be that. It could also be they're pairing him, you know, with a guy from the tens, and then and then going dumpster diving there at the bottom. And uh, so it could, that could be it. It could also be just he's really popular, and I think people think he's as good as. Sal Young, Finau, but he's cheaper, so I think that could that could be it too, and he's just a really popular guy people like to play.
0: Yeah, I mean, to your point, like, if you paired Cam Young and Max Homan together, you're still left with 7,500 on average for your next four spots, so as we go down the the kind of tiers there, we can probably see if that is a feasible option, but for me, like, I know Cameron Davis is is a defending champion, he's going to be popular, so people might want to stay away from that, but I do like the way he's playing, and I actually quite like what Adam Scott's doing. And you think about the the Wyndham comp with Donald Ross, like he finished second there, he probably should have won that, uh, missed that short putt, didn't need to, I don't know if it was to avoid the playoff or to win on the first playoff hole, but, you know, he's been playing some good golf again. My concern is that it's only in the majors, really, and we sort of see this with kind of like Justin Rose and people like that in the past, like we said, but I think he he's definitely the type that can just get hot on a week and, and maybe get that one more win before he kind of hangs up and, and does what he does.
1: Uh, yeah, it is that, it is a place where he could go well. My concern is one: why is he here? Two: he has he really ever done all that well in an event, you know, in the last three or four years in an event that really wasn't, you know, a, a marquee event. I know Wyndham was the only one. Yeah. That, but that even even at the time when he was at Wyndham, he just felt so out of place. It felt so random. That's what. Um, that's what. I'm,
0: that's kind of what I'm pinning my hopes to that he does here, though, right? Like. I guess he's probably here because it's one of those, like, you've got to add a new event to your schedule. Uh, then it gives him a chance to warm up for the FedEx, which I don't actually know where he sits in the FedEx Cup standings, which is maybe another factor, uh, something I haven't looked at. But, like, a 9-3, like, I think he's a guy, if you, if you want to avoid that kind of top range and you, and you want to play someone like an Adam Scott to, to go to the top, I wouldn't mind that at all.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's, a, it's an interesting play davis is going to be popular and i but i do think he's incredibly safe like i said last week if you look at what he did last week it's like this is almost like last week except there's no trouble and if he could avoid that trouble he would have won last week so this is like you know he can get away with the with the errant drive here and there or the you know maybe one bogey instead of a double so i do think he's safe He he makes a bunch of birdies a bunch of eagles um so i get why he's very popular Cam,
0: Cam Davis is seventy sixth in the FedEx Cup standings and Adam Scott seventy seventh. So they're currently both outside the top seventy. Um so maybe that's a kind of uh, I know obviously the top one and twenty five get into the FedEx St. Jude, but if these guys want to bump themselves up and give themselves a little bit of security, like that's not a bad uh, way to look at it.
1: Right, yeah, I think that that could be the case. And um all all these guys are definitely playable in this range. You know, Davis and home are the ones whose ownership are getting out of control. I'll probably avoid davis just because of that even though i do like him um but i don't love the other guys in this range i mean keegan i think he makes some sense but he's is he gonna make 25 birdies this week i'm not sure
0: i've, I've gone pretty cold on keegan recently like uh, there was a little time where i thought there's a resurgence coming uh and, and something that we need to look at and for him to win but yeah like you say to, to your point i don't think he's gonna make you know, the best, and you look at the fact that he was 14th last year with three rounds of 68, like, I think that might just be, like, his cap, like, in an event like this. Like, if I don't trust Will Elisorius to make enough parts, I definitely don't trust King Bradley to do it. So, uh, I agree with you on King Bradley, and I do think Kisner's uh, ownership is going to dictate what you do with him.
1: Yeah, he, he's about middling ownership, I think. I think what, you, what we're seeing here is most people are going to build a certain way. They're going to say, why am I going to pay 91, 92, or 93 for Scott Bradley or Kisner, when I can just pay three or 400 more and take Cameron Davis or Max yeah. Homa. That's what everybody's going to be doing. So if you do want to be different, it does make sense to play one of those guys, pair them with whoever you like up top, or put two of them together and start out that way. That'll make you incredibly unique. Do I have the balls to do it? Probably not, but it's probably a good idea.
0: Yeah, no, I agree with that.
1: Um, I think that
0: kind of summarizes those two ranges pretty well. Let me we come into... I guess this is, normally we talk about the 7k range and how that can kind of be the winning range for you quite often, but this 8k range looks like it could be a huge factor of the way that the pricing's come out. So uh, we start with Denny McCarthy at 8 9 and we go all the way through to Mark Hubbard at 8k, uh, two guys there that are both kind of on my shortlist. So I'll start with uh, Denny McCarthy. Like He's just in just incredible form. I've currently got him listed as a first round leader candidate um, last three of his last four starts finished fifth seventh and sixth and they were memorial and us open is two of those places where he's played so well and when we think about what denny mccarthy used to do well it was it was always getting a hot putter right and i I think he can kind of bring that back he finished 21st here on his debut kind of grew into the event actually and and finished higher up every round he was 55th after round 133rd 25th 21st so really grew into it last um on his debut and Missed a cut last year with 271s, but not, not by a whole lot. And just the way he's playing right now, I think he's a prime candidate for someone, like I said earlier, that does current form, just take over in a golf course like this. Like He's he's striking the ball nicely for for Danny McCarthy. Like I, don't, I think there's certainly a limitation on how... He went for that little stage he, where he was hitting his irons really, really well and everyone thought that was going to be when he won, but the putters seemed to desert him. Well, now he's kind of middling with both irons and teeds green stuff that I think he can kind of pair that together and play well this week.
1: Yeah, he's doing it all right now, I and mean, putting is absolutely ridiculous. I I wouldn't say hot putter. He's just the best putter, you know, yeah. and, and a very, very good putter. He's gained strokes putting like 13 straight events, 16 out of 17. So um, very reliable there. And the approach is, you know, 5.1 at the John Deere. That's really what you want to see. So maybe he's coming into form. I do struggle with playing him at, at this type of price um, with the guys kind of around him and the guys who I think have a higher ceiling. Um, I'm probably not going to play him. But all those things you're saying make sense. But you know, for me, it's like less the hot putting angle that I'm going that I'm going for that lot of, that I think a lot of people are. Yep. Um, I I would rather just play Tagala at 8,700, 200 cheaper, going to be less popular. Okay. Um, you're getting a nice big price discount. He's you know looking from last week to this week, he's the guy who seems to get the biggest discount both in betting odds and DraftKings price compared to what he was last week just because of the of the miscut. I don't think he was all that bad last week. Uh, I wasn't great, but I think this is a potential bounce
0: back spot for him you mentioned he might have been sort of carrying a little bit of an injury last week coming back over from the mm-hmm. open that might have been a factor like he is the guy that i think that if people jump off too soon they're going to regret it um and this is a goal of course that should uh suit him really really well um and to your point about the the 8-9 Denny McCarthy like Mark Hubbard's basically got the same profile as, as Denny McCarthy right now uh 12th on his debut versus 21st for McCarthy and he was actually third at the 36 hole stage and fourth after fifty four holes and striking the ball really nicely uh, in really good current form as well. There's probably, I'd probably trust McCarthy to win over Hubbard at this stage, um, but there's not much in it. And for a $900 discount, I know the ownership is slightly higher because of that, but it's only a couple of percent here or there, and I think that is probably the play of the 8K range for me, Mark Hubbard.
1: Yeah, and and look at Hadwin. He's way cheaper, way uh, less popular, and he was basically the favorite last week. Yeah one of the top three four, three or four favorites so that's kind of interesting i don't particularly like him but just kind of looking at that looking at it that way uh hubbard's hot yeah it makes a lot of sense he's a guy who um i agree that i think he has just a good a chance to win as mccarthy and i i i would even say i think he might even have more of a chance to win than than mccarthy look at his approach numbers the last four i mean ended it with seven gained seven on approach he's gained both putting and on approach in four straight rounds um not the best off the tee player so i don't know how well that that fits with this course but um yeah, it makes a ton of sense, especially at that cheap price. I was surprised
0: to see Russell Henley at ten percent ownership. I know he's he's a guy that's generally quite popular by nature, but like he's just not playing well right now. And hasn't he's played this course once missed a cut. I know that can obviously change pretty quickly, but you know that there's nothing really in Russell Henley's form that I've seen that makes me want to certainly not bet him. Um is it a case of people just trying to get a little bit clever with someone in this range knowing that he can just turn it on any point?
1: It could be that, uh, I, yeah, I don't, I don't get it either. Um, maybe they're looking at the Wyndham correlation, but yeah. what I don't get at all is, that, you know, the, I think approach is normally the most important thing you're going to see every week this week. It isn't, right. it's like the, the one week where it's not really as important. And it's literally the only thing Russell Henley does. Well, he sucks at putting, he sucks off the tee. So you're going to play him in the week when those are the two most important factors and approach isn't as important that those long iron players. So yeah, I, I don't, I don't understand the, the uh, Popularity there. Not that he's crazy popular, but I thought he would be. You know, he's he's fairly cheap. I guess that's part of it too. I,
0: I thought he would be. I generally came into this thinking that he'd be underowned, and I thought maybe it was a discussion worth having in terms of playing him, just because you know the upside of Russell Henley's so good and and that Wyndham link, but uh, didn't come to fruition. So not really bothered there. Davis Riley. I don't want to keep jumping into that kind of chasing that. Not fuss with him. Um, Trin Garley's obviously played well here in the past and played well recently, so I understand. Uh, why well, he'd be popular, but he's actually less popular than Russell Henley. I know there's a the $300 bump, but, you know, I, I definitely trust him over Henley at the moment. And other than that, I don't really have much to say on his AK range. Folks, sweaty sack summer is approaching and it's now time for you to prioritise the comfort of your crotch. That's why the king of crotch comfort, Manscaped, has spent two years designing the most comfortable boxer briefs out there. Now I've had the honour of testing out these new boxes, and I can say it's the softest fabric of any underwear I've ever owned. It's so breathable that it's like gills for your groin. They even trademarked the jewel pouch so you know it's serious. I think it's time for you to invest into your family jewels, so let your bulge breathe and get 20% off and free shipping by using the code LFW20 at Manscaped. Let's say you're on a date and your partner catches that Manscaped on the waistband of your underwear, it's almost a guarantee to raise some eyebrows and act like a billboard on a highway to pleasure town. The micro model fabric is buttery soft and breathable, keeping your cucumber cool. Walk, run or strut, these moisture wicking boxes breathe without breaking. In a sweat the tagless waistband hugs your body without digging in and lays flat against your skin to reduce the chafing and the front fly opening gives easy access and makes bath and breaks quick and efficient you can get 20 percent off and free shipping with the code lfw20 at manscaped.com and that's 20 percent off and free shipping with lfw20 at manscaped.com so once the boxers 2.0 touch your sack you will never go back
1: yeah i gotta say what riley he's gonna be the most popular guy in this range again and hopefully this doesn't turn into a soundbite here but guys his his hot run is over give him a break for a while okay i know you guys all want to be in the riley win but it's it ain't happening this week and the 8600 been plus a, almost 16 percent ownership is looking like i just think that's a big time fade for me
0: yeah and like the the thing that like with riley is if you'd have seen you know a performance out of him on this golf course in the past or you'd seen him play well at the windham or something like that like something that really decides to catch your eye like and you think okay this is the one where you're going to play him like I don't understand but there's nothing like he missed the cut at the Sanderson which is one of the events that I kind of looked at um I know that was like maybe his second start on the PJ Tour this season but like that that's enough for me to to kind of question it you look at some of the other kind of events where I'm just looking at like scoring correlation like the the Amex 59th um you know Pebble Beach 49th he seems to be one of those guys again that seems to play better in these tougher conditions I know he played byron nelson charles schwab okay but i i just don't want to keep chasing it with a guy like that agreed agreed um 7k range then we've obviously got uh, plenty of players in here is actually a, a massive range this week and i guess it's going to be hard to, to for anyone to get that high ownership i know i've seen a couple of guys that are on there Callum tarrant um is garnering a lot of ownership at 7-1 taylor Pendra 7-5 patrick rogers strangely at 7-1 um, svensson seems to be popular Gligic seems to be popular guys that i generally wouldn't go back to after some of the disappointing results as well so um with that said like basically anyone that we didn't name there i think is probably fair play to to put them in your lineups if you like them
1: yeah i mean the, the top you're looking at kirk and stallings who are both going to be very popular yeah uh, two of the most popular guys on the slate. You want to dip, get different, just play Siwoo, who's going to be probably tw- uh, one fourth the ownership of those two guys. Yeah. And I actually don't mind Siwoo this week. Um, I, it, it, there's not much pointing to him that he could, you know, play all that well, but I, he was around at Wyndham last year. He said Wyndham's his favorite course. So, I mean, that that's a little bit of a correlation if you're looking at that. Kirk and Stallings, both popular. Um, what do you do with those two guys? Because on paper, they both look pretty good.
0: I, I, I liked both. Um, I was very close to betting both uh, didn't in the end and main reason for Kirk is I just don't trust him to find a putter like you've just looked at it and it's just not been there so I don't see that he'd actually just come to fruition all of a sudden uh, when you look at how he's played here in the past like he's he's done what his iron play would suggest that he can do here but he was the thirty-six six hole leader and then you know went backwards of a 70 and 73 uh, on his debut um, and then last year again just went backwards he was third place after 36 holes and finished sixth and twelfth so I just think that the putter does seem to catch up with him on his goals course I do trust Stallings a little bit more uh, I think he can get a little bit streaker at that passing straight which is strange when you look at his performances like 64, 39th and 25th. you wouldn't necessarily think that but I just think the current form is kind of taken over he's really feast or famine though I would say is it like he I think he's made uh, three top tens or three top eight finishes in the last five stars but missed two cuts as well. So it just seems to me if you get him through to the weekend, he could probably um, get himself up there and maybe he's a player for showdown and things like that. But um, hard to trust, especially at the high ownerships.
1: Yeah, the one thing I'll say about that is the three the three times when he didn't finish in the top eight was John Deere, Travelers, and Charles Schwab, three lesser events. The ones that he missed a cut, PGA Championship, Memorial, exactly. US Open. Yeah, so, so you,
0: you think he's going to do it well here, and he's done well in the past. So again, another one of my first-round leaders, Scott Stallings, and I think he will get off to a hot start and make that weekend, and it just depends how he behaves, whether he goes back to what he's been doing. I certainly think there's a win coming for Scott Stallings again. Uh, he looks like the type that I think he needed that little period of time to adjust to his body changes. They were quite dramatic, um, and, and you kind of saw him in and out of form, but now he seems to be kind of really settled in that. Seems to be another guy that's outspoken on live. I think a couple of those guys that have been outspoken have decided to... Uh, to kind of up their game to warrant what they're saying a bit, but um, any guys in here that surprised you with low ownership?
1: Champ, I'm a little bit surprised by his ownership because he's he's looking um, to be you know somewhat popular in the betting market. I bet him at sixty five to one, sixty six. Actually, sorry, I got a seventy five. Um, and. I've mentioned you before we talk about it on the show all the time that he shows the form coming he had a horrible Thursday and then Friday Saturday Sunday he was great Uh, Remind me kind of what he did at the John Deere last year prior to winning at the 3m Uh, He has that spike putting ceiling we're talking about and I actually bet both him and Pendrith at 75 and 80 um, But it's looking like Pendrith is going to be double the ownership of champ uh, If not more than that, so I think and Pendrith doesn't feel that safe to me. Aren't they pretty much the same guy? Yeah, I think I think with is just how impressive
0: he's been since he come back. Like the thing I liked about Pendrift and I've bet Pendrift too, and I hadn't bet Cameron Champ, but it's someone I'm going to look at because while I've been doing my kind of first round leader stuff this afternoon, like he was second at the halfway stage here on his debut. He shot a sixty-five, a uh, six-six and sixty-five in the first two rounds, and then last uh, in twenty twenty, he finished twelfth as well. Just had kind of one disappointing round, a missed cut for Cameron Champ is never a surprise, just the way he plays. But like, you trust Cameron Champ, but. You know, more, I think, in terms of winning outside. If they both get through the cut, I definitely expect Cameron Champs to step forward over Taylor Pendrith, um, which seems weird now. I bet Pendrith. I just, I maybe just trusted Pendrith to get through the cut more. Like, he, he just seems to do that very often. Um, but the guy for me in, in this range, I really like Alex Smalley. Um, I just think he's been playing some good stuff right now. Um, the ownership, I didn't necessarily see whether it's high or not on him, but like. No it's, you know, you look at his last three made cuts. He's finished 6th, 11th and 2nd in strokes going tee to green in the field. Um, and they've been in some really hot events and twelve thirteen and 2nd in approach. I just think this is like the perfect golf course for him. like He played the Wyndham well last year. I think he's maybe a member there or something like that. Um, but he was, where was he last year in the Wyndham? He finished 29th. And you look at the Sands and Farms as well. Uh, another event that I've kind of looked at. He finished 31st, but that was after... Um, An opening 76, he shot 63 to make the cut, and shot 67, 69 over the weekend. You look at his recent form: like 10th at the Scottish Open in a really elite field, 16th at the John Deere in similar scoring conditions to this, and similar field strength, 21st at Canadian Open. And the kind of things that I, I kind of, or sort of wrote down as notes uh, yesterday was just like some of the start contending form that he's had in recent uh, weeks has probably gone a little bit unnoticed. Like he's actually been really in the hunt, like you look at, um, at the Canadian Open, he had three straight rounds of 67, left him second after round two and third after round three, and he fell away on Sunday, which is no great shakes considering there was JT, Fina, and Rory in contention. Uh, he was second at the halfway stage in Mexico and finished sixth, and John Rahm obviously went on to win that, and he was sixth after 54 holes in Scotland. So really, three of his last six or seven events have actually had a chance of winning, and I know he hasn't converted that, but this is a different level, and I really think Alex Smalley is... Probably my favorite player of the of the week. I think he's at a really good price at 7,400.
1: Yeah, it's interesting, especially because I don't think he's going to be very popular. Um, all, all great points. My one concern is he's a pretty awful putter. Terrible
0: putter, and, and that <laughs> and that is that is the one concern. But like, where he, so in terms of betting, he was in like the kind of eighty to 1, 90 to one range, and Chris Kirk was fifty. Like, basically the same guy for this kind of golf course, right? Except actually smallie has been doing it in better fields recently and you are relying on someone that basically can't spike with a putter to spike with a putter uh it's a a kind of russell henley uh situation with him but if i think of him as basically the same player as russell henley at the moment in terms of ball striking like 7400 against 8200 and yeah 7400 against the high ownership of chris kirk at 7800 i just think he's a good player
1: yeah, I like it. The only thing with correct you're getting the course history, which may or may not even be important.
0: Sure. I mean, uh, and and that's a good point to, to come on to with the course history. Like, I don't think it's important at all. Like Cameron Davis, miscut, miscut first. Uh, mm-hmm. Rory Sabatini, third, uh, miscut, miscut. Nate Lashley, first, miscut, miscut. Hank Levyoda, miscut, miscut, fourth. Um, Troy Merritt missed his first cut and finished eighth and second. Um, you know, it's just been very feast or family. And I think that's basically based on the fact that the course is – so easy that it just it just rewards people that are in good form uh you know cameron champ for SIP 12 miscut you know I, I wouldn't want to rule people out based on course form and it's one of those ones where i've lent into it a bit with one selection and gone completely against the grain with another like i just i just believe that people can overcome bad course form here like bow miss cut, miscut cut, 25th like it just looks to me that like you can just find it pattern desire, miss cut, miscut miscut 25th interesting so yeah, I think I think there's there's definitely a chance to people to overcome poor course form here.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And uh, well, speaking of that, there's a guy who has good course form that I really like. Yeah. Uh, in in merit and who I'm going back to. I was on him last week. Um, and I was on him last year here at 100 to one when he lost in the playoff. Did you but did you bet him again this week? I did. Yeah, I bet I bet him. Um, he opened up at 80, which I bet. It looked like he's been bet down a bit since then. But you know, amazingly, last last week. He was horrible. He lost over five, five 5.6 strokes putting last week, which was, I think, the worst of his career. And his ball-striking week was the best of his career, which was very interesting. I mean, the only time he's gained 8.5 strokes ball-striking, which is off the T-plus approach, was his... Uh, was tied for the most when he won the Barracuda in 2018. So he struck struck the ball really, really well. Just couldn't couldn't make any putts. And then if you look at the what he's done on these greens the last two times he's played here, gained 5.3, finished eighth in in uh, 2020, and then gained 7.2 and finished second here last year. So I think he likes the greens, and if you can pair that up with that effective ball striking, I think um, you know he's a great play, great bet. Can you win? I'm not sure, but I think at this price and the ownership is not in control, I'm going to go right back to him.
0: Yeah, I think I think it's a really good point that you make that like he is just a type that I think can turn it around um at any point just based on his putting and he is a guy that is searching for that putter, right. Like I think he actually I think he lost he was the worst of anyone that made the cut last week in, in terms of putting and he I think he lost two and a half of those strokes on the first round. So, you know, he put himself really behind the eight ball on the first day. So no no real surprises with Merritt. I think that's something that he's been kinda of used to. But again, this goal of course he's you know showing that you can putt and that's the main thing um any ones that you would avoid in this range
1: um real quick to just to build off the merit thing yeah he's gained strokes putting in eight of his last, last nine events and he's a good putter and we talk about spike putting he is a spike putter he gained 9.9 at valero 6.7 at, at wells fargo um when he when he came in second here again it was uh 7.2 he gained eight at memorial so he's a guy who might have a bad week putting but he can Follow it up, um, you know, with a with a strong week putting when he gained, let's see, when he gained um, the nine point nine at Valero the week before he lost one point two. So, uh, so I think that spiked you know type of putting is what we're looking for. In terms of guys, I'm avoiding in this range. her um, up, fifteen percent owned. <laughs> I thought um, you I thought you
0: might have avoided him.
1: Like to me, like I've just made
0: that case for Alex Smalley. I can't see why I'd go to Gotter up at all. Like I know, I know it's again, it's another one. Davis Riley. People are just trying to chase that win
1: exactly that's exactly how it is and he's not I mean the guys around him who are he's one third of the ownership of Somali or sorry um Smalley's one third the ownership of him uh you know Palmer's one percent uh, Cooch is five or six like Steele is six percent who last week was one of the most popular guys and couldn't make a putt so I just don't see how you can go to him at triple the ownership of all these other guys
0: yeah I thought I thought Steele might have come up in your thoughts really I thought he was a guy that basically, if we, if we we always talk about him being the same as King Bradley, and King Bradley's kind of right up there in the, in the high 8s and 9s, and you know Brendan Steele's here at 7-5, and yes, he's only played it once and finished 55th, but he's just striking the ball so well right now, you can see it coming. Um, I keep trying to find reasons to play Harris English, I don't think I'm going to get there this week, I don't think he's quite got it in him to go low enough, I think there's still a little bit off, I think it would have been a good goal of course for him if he was fully fit, and But the putting's been decent since he came back, which is one thing that kind of encouraged me. And I think that with it being an easy golf course, he's kind of off the tee, stuff might be mitigated a little bit, but um, not strong enough to really go with him with any kind of conviction. The other guy I thought was interesting was Grayson Sig. Like, he's just playing some really good stuff right now. Um, And to me, like, it's really standout what he's done. Like, if you think about where Grayson Sig should play well, I would think the Wyndham Championship, he hasn't played there yet, so we don't know that. But you look at the fact that he's finished, you know, four times. He's finished sixteenth, twenty-seventh, twenty-sixth, and seventh recently. Um, building off that seventh, I think, is actually his best ever finish on the PJ Tour. Just looks to be in really good form, playing the way that you'd expected him to when he came onto the PJ Tour. And now he's going to come to a course that's right in front of him. He's a straight hitter. He's going to have to do it in the kind of mould of, you know, the Ryan Armours, the Kisner's and things like that. But I think that's fine. I think it's fine to put someone in like that.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I think at that price, especially he's good. He's not very popular. Um, I, he hasn't really had many spike putting weeks in his career. He said I think maybe one, um, and most of it not quite as good. He's okay off the tee, nothing great, um, but approach has been awesome. So I think at that price, you don't need him to do all that much. I like, I do like that play. That's uh, the worry, like,
0: isn't it, with a shorter hit so that he doesn't have those spike putting putting weeks. Is like is the one concern. Like he's got both negating factors a little bit, but yeah, I think I think he's a decent. Enough.
1: And I think that's why you see people like we were kind of curious as to why Patrick Rodgers was popular. It's because he's he he's a bomber and he's also a good bent putter. So he has those two skills that you're really looking for. I think it's kind of a force. I'm not playing him, but I think that's kind of what people are looking for.
0: Yeah, for sure. I think I think so. Um, where else would you go? I mean, there's there's just a plethora of names here like Mackenzie Hughes, Adam Svensson. that people down last week. Maybe you don't want to go back there. Wyndham Clark, Joel Damon. Like all all names that have been kind of on the radar. I mean, Callum Tarrant's gonna be one of the more popular ones here, so I'm not gonna go there. But to me, actually,
1: Trey Mullanax
0: kind of stood out a little bit at 7K as well.
1: Yeah, he hit it far. Uh, he hit it far, and he's the, the profiles as the guy you you kind of look uh, would like to look for. Um, I was in, about... I was impressed with what Mullanax did
0: uh, in response to his win. Like that was that mm-hmm. was for me. Like how he played uh, after that victory that got him into the Open Championship, and he actually finished 21st there. Uh, it's hard to know that he's going to play well considering he didn't really show the signs before winning the Barbasol and the Barbasol is such a lower event but 24th for the Mexico uh, 32nd for the Byron Nelson I'm pretty sure if I remember right he's got some decent form here As I know he's missed the cut on his only start um, but yeah it just feels like someone that like, is hitting the ball nicely and, and off a recent win he could just get some hot
1: yeah he, he totally could um he hits it far I I didn't even realize what he did at the open that's pretty impressive yeah uh I was looking at Kiriyama who um I know he plays harder courses better but he does hit it far and he is another guy who I think isn't necessarily a good putter but he has those spike putting weeks as well um I've been thinking about him a bit
0: yeah no I think sure I think there's just at this point I think you look at the fact that you know, the, the range that we're in now, I don't think once you get over those really high-owned guys, does it really matter which way you go? You're just going to build your, your lineups in different ways, right? And I think you can be pretty unique once you've done the other stuff. It's, I, I worry with Akitian where he's just gone off the ball right now, but it, it doesn't really matter. It's, it's a good time to play him rather than when he was really high-owned recently.
1: Yeah, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to my last guy I'm playing here who may not be a good play, but no one's going to be playing him. Um, and... I don't know how often you'll see an amateur being priced in the 7,000s, but <laughs> my guy, Michael Thor Bjornton, who I also bet at a, not a great number, I think 152 to one or something, which is a terrible number for a guy who's an amateur amateur hasn't won since 1991, Phil Mickelson. But, um, I just, I love the kid's game. And I think it's exactly what you want to do here. I mean, he gained, he was fifth off the tee when he came seconds of the travelers and he was first in putting. So he does those two things that we're looking for him to do. Um, I think his, you know, he went over and played at the, uh, Parm- Palmer Cup in between and came back. He played well there. I think he was paired with um, Rose Zhang there. And he... Um, so I just think he's, he profiles as the type of player I want in the long term. We just saw him do it at the Travelers, which is a much better field than this. Um, is that putting an aberration? Probably. But th- with his skill set, he's 20 years old. We've seen guys win or, or play well at 20 years old before. So I don't think it's um, you know completely out of the question to see him play well. So I'm going to give him a shot.
0: Yeah, I was curious if you were going to get back to him or not. I spoke about this on... Um... On the Sherry Jason last night, like it's one of those ones where I think it's worth giving it one more go to see whether that is Michael Thuygensen or whether he just got hot on a week where you know the the Travelers, as of course, can always make a lot of birdies, right? But he, he didn't show anything to me. Like he showed a little bit of fragility towards the end, but like that was completely understandable. It wasn't like he had a complete meltdown. So um I think it's fine to play him again. I mean, it worked for you in the past, and I know he was kind of what 6,300 or something before, but like you know, at 7K and no one's going to play him, it's, it's not a bad. You're going to have plenty of money to kind of put him in. It's not like he's going to break anything. So um, I right. like that. Um, coming into the 6K now, we're sort of rounding up here a little bit. Cheston Hadley is, is one of my favorite plays. Um, and that's, you know, he's 9% owned for a reason. Like, it's, it's not kind of a secret to anyone that he's playing really well. But he is just playing so well. And I just think that three top tens in his last five starts and all made cuts. And he's the guy that when I talked about earlier, we've overcoming bad course form, like I, I just I just trust him to do it. Like he miscut, miscut fifty second in three starts. If you think back to the Windham, like he performed a heroics there last year. He made that hole in one to basically kick out Justin Rhodes from the Fed's Cup um and shot six two in the final round to keep his card. So really like what Cheston Hadley's been doing and thinking put that to good use here.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with everything. I'm going to be playing him despite the ownership. I think he's a great play. I I, I think I also bet a uh, top 20 at I think 4 to 1 or something, which I thought was a really good bet. And he also is a guy who one I trust because of the way he's playing right now and because of what he has to gain. But I also trust him because he he has a ceiling that comes along with that trust factor this week. Like he can finish second. He can finish in the top 10 like unlike a lot of these other guys down here. So, yeah, I'm completely with you and I'm going to eat the chalk on him.
0: Do you trust him to win?
1: I think he can win. Yeah. Like
0: when you look at his OWGR stuff, I know he's been around probably longer than people really realise, but like it's just jam packed with like everything, right? He's won the Puerto Rico, which is a lower class event, but that's absolutely fine. Second at the Cimb, second at Sanderson Farm, which I love. Um, Was it four corn ferry wins? And it's just, it's just, you know, there's nothing outside of an 11th place finish or 12th place finish in his top 20 events in the owgr um, and they were in the players championship in the bmw playoff event so to me like he's just a standout performer in this kind of 6k ranges especially when he's in the form that he's in
1: yeah i mean look at his t to green for his career he's he averages uh, minus 0. 0.4 strokes t to green his last five events he's 2.2 2 positive so He's just completely turning it around there. You look at a stretch he had in, you know, a six or seven, eight-week stretch where he was just horrific all around, and he's starting to play much, much better now. So uh, definitely like him. The other guy, 7K flat, I was looking at was James Hahn.
0: Yeah,
1: I I, I looked at James Hahn, and it's like one of those ones where, like,
0: he's actually trending, and sorry to cut you off, he's trending so well, like, Mm. every single result is getting better, and the trouble with James Harden doesn't mean anything with him. Like he could have eight miscuts and win, or he could have four really good appearances and then kind of kick on. So it's hard to know what he's going to do.
1: Yeah. I mean, back in April, he went miscut, miscut ninth, ninth, miscut, miscut. Yeah. Which basically explains your point. But I think, you know, this is a place where I think he could, he could do pretty well. He's great off the tee, you know, for his career. He's, he's very good off the tee. He's gained off the tee in nine of his past 11 events. Uh, last week, the irons got really hot. Uh, and it was kind of progressive, right? He gained 3.9 at Barbersall then 6.3 at, at the 3M. Um, and he was the one I was impressed with him last week because on Sunday everybody was falling out of the tournament left and right, and he was the one guy climbing up the board instead. Um, Put it really well. So I'm going to go back to him anyway. Uh, I I think he's kind of maybe getting in a groove. I I, I like his comments on the live stuff. I think maybe he's kind of throwing his name around there and, and getting back into the you know in, into the mix. Um, I'm going to give him a shot.
0: Yeah, and I think I think the thing is is like he's. It's one of those where, like, my point that I made could easily just be an overplay narrative as well. Like, if this was any other golfer, you'd think that's a great sign. Like, he looks like he's going to win. But because it's James Hahn who's used to winning off missed cuts, you just think that it doesn't mean anything. So, um, that can play in your favor in that sense. JJ Spawn's got some really good first rounds here and a couple of decent, like, finishes. And, you know, we saw him play really well at the start of the season, then kind of tail off. I thought that was interesting at 6'9". I wonder if he can just come out of this bad rut. Um, are we going to go back to Scott Pearcy at all?
1: No, no, God, no. <laughs> <laughs> that was sad to watch. I mean, I, I didn't really have much say in the game on, on Sunday. I was pretty much out of it for everything, so I was just watching for entertainment. And I felt I was rooting for him just because I I, don't know, I thought it would be fun. But I felt bad for the guy, and I typically don't feel – I usually laugh at things like that, but I, I like, truly felt bad for him.
0: He um, led the field in putting, despite his meltdown, and his approach numbers would have been probably a lot better if he didn't just shut those couple into water, so I just think about a guy that, if you think about someone that can win at the Wyndham, I think Scott Piercy is one of those guys, I can't remember off the top of my head what his Wyndham results have been, but I'm sure he's probably been up there if we look through, doesn't appear on the top 20 of his finishes, but it doesn't necessarily mean that he hasn't had good ones, but... I just, I just think he's the type of player that can go low in these events. I maybe think he's probably broken after last week, but um, maybe just someone that no one's going to play because of last week could be interesting.
1: That's a good point. Look, But looking like you know at his body language when things started going poorly, um, I definitely wasn't thinking, oh, this is a guy I want to play next week. <laughs> no, I mean, this, this, is,
0: this is Scott Piercy all over, right? I mean, there's a reason he gets slated on Twitter for a lot of different things that he kind of posts. So... Um, 6K Ranger, I don't feel like you need to go into it that much this week, so I've not really paid as much attention to it as I normally would. Uh, Ryan Armour, I think, is a guy that could spike, um, just needs a golf course like this to, to do it. Uh, don't trust him because he's playing so poorly, but could could make it happen. Uh, Sepp Stracker is a guy that was people were very high on for a long period of time, missed four cuts, and now all of a sudden no one wants to play him, which I understand, but um, And then I just think you're kind of just naming names. Taylor Moore was someone that kind of stood out to me a little bit uh, earlier on in the day when I was looking at players. And then Michael Kim has just been playing electric on the Corn Ferry Tour, uh, late edition, 6,400. I think he is the guy that if I wanted to go to anyone in the 6K range, it would be Michael
1: Kim. I I got two guys I really like here. Um, First one's Brandon Wu, who I like to play a lot, but his skill set works really well here too he's a, he is great off the tee um we saw that in mexico he kind of hits the ball farther than you would think and got in the mix he's been playing well he was six at the scottish open and then at the open he was inside the cut line and he went like bogey bogey to finish uh, his second round and missed it by missed it on the number which is fine um he was 30th at the john deere played pretty well but off the tee he's gained in you know the last 10 events that he started besides with the exception of one putting weeks he gained 4.8 at the john deere he gained six at mexico he gained 4.1 at valspar so he has those good putting weeks he's a younger guy who has a skill set you want that i think you know you might see and he's no one's playing him either so i'm going to go back to him
0: yeah i mean you you are the brandon we whisperer so if, if i'm going to listen to anyone on brandon Woo, it'd be you uh that sixth place finish at scotch open is, is a standout performance right like on top of the second at. uh Mexico, he finished third in the Puerto Rico Open, so you know he can take advantage of the slightly weaker fields as well. Uh, so I like that. I think I think otherwise, I just, because I don't think you need to go in here, I haven't really decided on anyone like too strongly. I mean, as I said, Michael Kim would probably be the guy for me. Um, is there guys that you look at that are just the skill set guys that you want that are just decent off the tee and can get hot?
1: Most of the guys I was looking at are that, but I have one more who really isn't that. He's kind of the opposite. Yeah um and that's roger sloan at 6300 hmm. who showed something last week at the 3m he gained two on approach um gained pretty much across the board besides off the tee right he doesn't he doesn't do that very well but look at the uh donald ross if you want to go with that correlation he um, was 21st here last year and that was after a miscut at the travelers Yep. Uh, and then he was second at the windham three or four weeks later so he uh you know he likes these donald ross designs and he played decently last week so i think at 6300 you could do worse
0: yeah he's the guy that ruined my life at the window and i think i wasn't alone when when you look back he was he was kind of on everyone's cards but he was actually second after round one here last year he shot 65 uh backed up with 75 but then shot two rounds of 68 over the weekend so just bounced back really nicely from that and then the 21st on his debut was a lot more steady so um yeah i like that i like roger sloan if if you do like the donald ross thing he's he's definitely uh, a candidate for that I just think it's one of those ones where, like, if you've got a read on someone that's playing some good golf and, you know, we could list off all the people that have had improved finishes recently and, and stuff like that. But if you think someone's coming into a little bit of form, I think you can probably, I don't say you can ignore course history. Like, if someone's missed three cuts here and they've shot 80 both times and obviously don't do it. But, like, if, if there's someone that's kind of shown a little bit when they've played here and just not got through the cut line or they've got through one cut and not the other, like... Maybe like a Vincent Whaley, like fifty eighth last year against one miscut on his debut, and he's just been playing better, like fifth at the Barbers Hall, third first at the barracuda. Like, I don't know. No, I, I just there's just nothing for me that really stands out, other than the couple of guys that I named.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think we, we've you know given four or five of them, which is which seems to be plenty.
0: Especially when you just don't need them, right? Like, there's just no real need to go down there. So, I think that's a good time to to kind of wrap it up. Unless you have anyone comments.
1: Oh, nothing else.
0: Cool. So, looking at the ten k range, then I think we're both in agreement that Cameron Young is our guy at ten one. Absolutely. Nine uh, k is a, a little bit shorter there, but um, I take it you're going with Cameron Davis. Yeah,
1: I'm not. I'm. He's popular. I'm probably not going to play. I'm not playing anyone from this range, just to be honest. Just, just not going to
0: pick one. Full stop.
1: No, Tagala eighty seven
0: hundred. There you go. Take take. I guess let's take two guys from the eight k range then, because it's a it's a decent range. So you're gonna go with Tagala eighty seven at the top. Uh, anyone at the bottom?
1: Um, no. <laughs>
0: so it's just Tagala taking the eight, eight and nine k range. I like that. Um, I will go with Denny McCarthy at eight nine, and then Mark Hubbard at 8,000 uh,
1: 8, flat. Um,
0: seven k range. Your favorite play?
1: Um. I- I can give a couple here since I didn't give um, yep. much before, but I, I I do like Stallings at 7,700. I think he's just too cheap and he's going to be popular, but that's okay. I think you can just plug him in and I think he has both the floor and the ceiling you're kind of looking for. And then I like both Champ and Pendreth. I think they're both great bets and great plays.
0: Yeah, I actually have kind of been talking since Cameron Champ by himself and just looking at the first round leader stuff earlier. But I think Alex Smalley is my favorite player on the entire uh slate which is, is, is a ridiculous thing to say about someone like Alex Smalley but a 7400 I think the ball striking hasn't really uh been focused on too much and just what he's been doing at these type of events as well um 6k for me it's just and Hadley I don't I don't really care about the chalk or the ownership on him like if I have to go to the 6k range it's going to be and Hadley
1: yeah, I, I like Hadley as well. I'm going to be playing him, but for the sake of this, I'll go uh, Brandon Wu. I like him too.
0: Yeah, and I, I'd also throw in Michael Kim if people just want a lower-earned guy uh, in the 6K range. But I think that does it for the Rocket Mortgage map. It's not an event that is going to capture the imagination of people too often. I think it's going to be one of those kind of you know birdie and move-on events and get ready for the Felix Cup playoffs. But I do think it's a good pet, uh, betting heat, as we've mentioned uh, at the start of the show, and I think it's a good, good place to get kind of unique with your lineups. And like if you've made a great you know roster construction and and things that i think it will stand out because you know there's some obvious guys to play but otherwise you do have to get you know very different in the kind of seven and eight k ranges to kind of stand out
1: yeah and i love this event and it's one of those events that may be a lesser event but i'm looking forward to it a lot there's a lot of guys i like who i think have a chance to win who are kind of lower down the odds board and the last thing i'm going to say with at the risk of being tarred and feathered here (laughs) bet bryson to win the live event
0: yeah, no, I, I think I think that's probably a good uh good. I'm just looking at the odds here actually for the live event. Uh, let's bring those up. I mean, DJ's a favorite again after what he did um, at the British Open, but people probably forget the Bryson play very well. There was where he doubled the price at ten to one. Um, I, I guess I don't really have anything else. I think probably Bryson one and done would, would be okay at ten to one in that. Maybe it'd be interesting just, to see how Charles Howard doing that in that field now.
1: Yeah, I mean, I I just. Only bet I'm making there is Bryson, and I'm going to bet it pretty big because I, I truly believe he's going to win. He's won twice in, in New Jersey. Um, uh, it's a longer course. He's playing much better than people give him credit for, um, especially at the Open. I thought that was really impressive. And double the odds of DJ. I think he's lower than Louie and Anser and on some of these boards, so which makes no sense to me. So it's, it's the wrong price, and it's the, uh, the right guy to bet.
0: Yep, I like that. So uh, there's a little bonus pick in there for everybody that's listening to the end. So, Matt, thank you very much, buddy, and we'll catch up next week. All right, have a great week. And you.